Greetings. You're listening to the 49th episode of the ABF Journal podcast. I'm Phil Neifer, Managing Editor of ABF Journal. For this week's episode, Richard Cabrera, Executive Vice President and Head of Middle Market Banking at Umqua Bank, stopped by to expand on the findings of the bank's recently released 2021 business barometer. Richard outlined some of the trends he's seen among middle market businesses, as well as headwinds that may impact the sector in the coming months and years. I don't want to spoil any of the conversation, so let's just get right to the call. Hi, Richard. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Phil. Uh, great to be with you. Yeah, and thank you so much for jumping on. So Umqua Bank released its 2021 business barometer earlier this summer, um, and that's what we're mainly going to talk about today. But before we dive into the findings and stuff like that, I'm interested in how you put the, the barometer together, the methodology behind it, you know, what kind of uh, qualifications or uh, kind of statistics you were looking at specifically. Okay, great. Um, and, and if I could, let me just take a step back to give uh, some context here about Umpqua Bank. Uh, we're, a 30, we're a $30 billion bank headquartered uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Actually, we're the largest bank headquartered in the Pacific Northwest, and we do business in five states, um, Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, um, and, and Idaho. Um, and some of those markets are, are pretty dynamic, uh, especially the metro markets from San Diego uh, up to Seattle. Um, and so we, we cover a lot of ground. Um, and middle market is a big part of our business. Um, you know, oftentimes the middle market is forgotten. It represents one third of uh, domestic uh, uh, gross domestic product, over six trillion dollars, and forty-five million jobs. Um, and such as, and, and because it's such a big part of of the economy and our business, we thought it would be helpful to survey business owners, um, really on a national basis. So over twelve hundred business owners were surveyed. Um, and gave their response to how they dealt with the pandemic, what was different about their business, what the challenges are that they are facing um, in, in present time, um, and really to take their pulse um, and because it's such an important part uh, of the economy. And I think four things came out of, um, of that survey. Um, one was a resounding optimism um, that was shared. And, and I think that that's really reflective of um, getting through the pandemic, surviving the pandemic, um, and, and learning how to compete effectively um, around ma uh, matters of their value proposition um, and tactically. And then, then there were uh, a couple other things that came out. Um, one uh, was pretty clear that there was a shift uh, to a growth mindset. Um, that came through time and time again. Um, and so, you know, really kind of looking um, at, the, at the bottom of the pandemic and where their business was, opportunities started to develop um, and how they could uh, capitalize on, on that opportunity. Um, and the third point was, is that they, they embraced a, a continual mindset of adaptation um, and, and, and dealing with these new opportunities. And then I think the fourth thing that came out, there, there are some challenges that are showing up. Uh, one is a labor shortage um, and two, supply chain disruptions. Those are the big elements um, that uh, came out of the pandemic and that we're dealing with right now. And so th that really kind of gives you a thumbnail uh, on the survey itself um, and the findings um, that came out of it. Right, you just kind of outlined some uh, some of those uh, findings. Are there any other important ones that you think are worth mentioning, or do you want to just kind of move on to digging into the specifics of each of the ones that you've already? Well, 
Yeah, I think I think all of the findings fall in you know one of these four items, Phil. Um, and, and so I, I'd be happy to kind of dig in and and share with you some examples and anecdotes. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to you. That let's ask. do that. Then. Yeah. So you mentioned that the survey showed that there's kind of economic optimism, and I know in in reading as, as much of it as I have seen. Um, that, that optimism is kind of surpassed uh, pre-pandemic levels for a lot of middle market and small businesses. What do you think is driving that optimism? And has that been all affected by how we're seeing vaccination rates kind of plateau and uh, infection rates surge as, uh, in various parts of the country? Yeah, I, the, so the survey um, really preceded the, the rise in the Delta variant. And I think I think that optimism was really reflected in the fact that you know we've gotten through most of this and we see light at the end of the tunnel, um, and and Delta was kind of out there, but it wasn't really present as it is right now in this moment. So so in terms of the survey itself, I think I think there was that that was the overarching uh, reason uh, for for the optimism that hey, we survived. We are now we are leaner. We are more efficient. We see opportunities that are that are in front of us, and um, we think we have a good approach on how to capitalize on them. I don't think that that's changed um, in any material form. I think it's still very present, and I think um, today, in the moment, uh, the Delta variant is something that is being watched and it is a you know big concern. Um, uh, but the learnings of going through the pandemic. Uh, of everything from how do we communicate with, with our employee base, um, our suppliers, most importantly, our customers. Um, those learnings um, came out of the pandemic. And, um, and how do we then add value um, uh, to our customer relationships? Uh, I think that that was a, that was a big learning um, that came out of it. Um, and it made for... Um, I guess I'll, I'll use the word, you know, it really ratified a, a reason for um, middle market businesses um, and gave them an avenue to compete. Right. And then what are some of the changes that firms have made to uh, the, that they've used based on the lessons they've learned during the pandemic, um, particularly when it comes to managing cash flow? Well, yeah, in, 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 in managing cash flow, what, you know, what, what you'll see here is, is really a, um, um, a, an eye toward um, maintaining liquidity um, and, and creating a buffer. Um, if, you, if you look at what is resulting today, um, th there is more corporate cash on balance sheets at this moment. There's almost $7 trillion um, that exist in terms of um, you know, keeping keeping a buffer and, and building liquidity. Um, and it's, it's, it's not unusual to you know, see this happen going through the pandemic uh, for a lot of companies because just leading up to the pandemic, um, there, we were on a pretty good growth rate um, that, that was taking place. So middle market companies growing, uh, you're going to see a buildup in accounts receivable and inventory, um, and then it, your business is going to stop. And what that means is I'm going to collect on those accounts receivable and inventory, and I'm going to convert it to cash. Um, I'm going to use that cash to fund my operations in the face of um, declining revenues or no revenue. And then I'm going to take advantage of government programs to help me bolster a liquidity position while I um, uh, do my best um, to get through the pandemic 
and uh, compete and then realize where there's opportunity uh, for us in enhancements in our strategy um, and how we how we face the market um, and, and realize that. So I, I think those things have taken place. An, an, another outcome of this, which the survey does speak to is supply chain disruption. And that supply chain disruption became a very real and pressing matter during the pandemic, uh, where um, particularly if you were sourcing goods out of Asia, um, and it represented, um, it, it really represented a, a big blockage of material flow that could not get to middle market businesses. So um, for that, what the learnings that came out of it were, we need to find alternative sources of supply. If we can't find alternative sources of supply, we need to find acceptable substitutes. Um, and in addition to, to that, we need to keep more inventory on hand. And if we're gonna keep more inventory on hand, we need a place to store that inventory. Uh, we, need, we need a system that will help us manage that inventory. And we need reliable distribution and transportation lines uh, to get it out. So all of that really took place during the pandemic. Great. And then a lot of these changes are going to be ones that will stay with, with companies after we get through the pandemic, whenever that is. Um, what are some of those changes that you think are going to be permanent and be standard operating procedure going forward that might not have been uh, before the pandemic? Yeah, I think that there are going to be many lasting changes that came into the pandemic. So if you look at this 18-month period, call it two years, um, everything from employee relations, how do we communicate with, with, with our teams? Um, and, and you'll see more um, digital meetings uh, take place, video, video meetings that really didn't exist in large form, um, but it is quite regular now, and it is adding to efficiency. Um, that's not going to take the place of business travel and in-person meetings, but it is going to um, make the in-person and travel um, less a requirement uh, to do business. So, so that, is, that is one key takeaway. Um, connecting with your employee base and employee wellness and employee health is another um, matter that I think is here to stay. Um, and I think companies have been more attuned to the wellness and, and emotional well-being of, of their employees. Th th that has changed. I think the move towards dig uh, digital uh, transformation um, and access to more information, particularly as it related to the supply chain and the financial accounting system, those changes, um, which I will call enhancement, are, are here to stay. Um, and, um, and, and the distribution and inventory management has changed and, and will be lasting. Now, th that one might, uh, I think it's gonna be with us for a, a little bit of time and I think it will moderate um, as you get back to normal, but I don't know when we're gonna get back to normal. Um, I think this is our new normal and, um, and, and, and this inventory management and keeping more on hand as opposed to just-in-time inventory management is something that we see lasting um, out of the pandemic. Right, and then the survey also mentioned that a sizable portion of the companies that were surveyed are considering an acquisition uh, pretty soon. Um, why do you think this trend is emerging and what does that tell you about the current environment? Well, it, we definitely are seeing this in our customer base right now. Um, so, so we are seeing um, a, a lot of business acquisition um, and 
um, entrees into uh, new markets and expanding product lines. Um, I, I think the dynamic, I think, I think it's twofold. I think it, one, the pandemic hastened uh, this M&A activity uh, for companies who were not as agile and could not uh, adapt to the new demands of, of, of a new environment. That's, that, that's one element here. Um, but, but I also think another um, aspect of it is that you still, demographically, you still have an aging baby boom population. Um, and um, this was anticipated you know, many years ago that there was going to be a transfer of, of privately held businesses and, and a bulge that was taking place. So that, that is some of it um, th that is causing this, this M&A activity today. Right. And then um, what did the study find about the commercial real estate market? Um, and is that different than people might have assumed? I know there's kind of, a, I don't know, layman idea that the commercial real estate market might be hurting right now as, you know, companies reassess what kind of office space they need and as more people are buying things online, causing you know, struggles for brick and mortar stores, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of a mixed view on the real estate front. Um, uh, from from an industrial standpoint, in industrial real estate has the value has held. So I'm talking about warehouses, warehouse space, and industrial space. Um, that that has that has held up very well. Um, and um, the, the expectation is because because of growth um, and distribution that that will continue to uh, to take place. I think for office space, um, you know, clearly there will be a, a rethinking of, of office work and how many associates need to come to work in an office environment. Um, so th there will be a repurposing um, that will take place in that, in that office space. And we're seeing that um, happen right now um, in, in, the, in the present time. So I think that there will be um, less demand uh, for traditional users of office space um, but I think the alternative uses of that will will continue to rise um, and that and that values will be um, steady. Uh, there's still demographically, and the survey didn't necessarily speak to this, but this is more anecdotal that um, you know that there, there is a there was a move out of uh, central cities and now there was a move back into them or it was before the delta variant happened. Um, and as a result of that, People um, now being closer to um, central cities and core um, to to work in an office environment. So I think I, I think the outcome of that will be that um, the 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 office situation will stabilize. It, it, at, the, at the early um, outset of the pandemic, the thinking was is that we're going to have way too much office space, um, and the, you know these properties um, weren't quite sure what was going to happen to them. I think now is with the passage of time, you have a clearer sense uh, for where that's going. And then, and then in hospitality, um, we, that was a direct hit of the pandemic. And, and our thinking was, is that hey, we're, we're, business travel is going to be down. We're not going to need as many hotels. We're not going to need as many restaurants. Um, that is still uh, a, a big question as to where that lands and settles. I think the answer is more clear today on, on, on restaurants um, for those that survived. Um, and I think for hospitality, the, the, the business travel numbers aren't expected to come back 
um, in, in any material form for the next 24, 36 months. Um, but leisure travel is, is way up. And so we're, we're waiting to see if absorption um, occupancy, um, more specifically, starts to improve for leisure travel um, in, in the hotel space. Right, and then uh, the survey um, noted a few different economic headwinds that are gonna be facing small and middle market businesses. Um, can you tell me about what some of those headwinds were and how you think commercial lenders might be able to help uh, these businesses overcome those hurdles? Well, the, the, the headwinds that, that I had mentioned earlier, um, right. which, which were the, the labor shortage, that, that is probably the biggest headwind that people are, are facing. Um, so talking to a number of business owners, a number of our own customers, um, you know, the, the, the feeling here is, is that, you know, with the government subsidies uh, for unemployment and other benefits um, lapsing or, or canceling out, that that should create um, somewhat of a, of, of it, it's not a fix, but it should soften um, the, the issue that you, that you face right now. Um, I, I tend to think that, um, you know, more related to the labor front, there's more investment going into automation that is taking place. So in a, in a manufacturing distribution um, environment, that will mean, um, you know, um, better, um, better equipment, material handling equipment and robotics that is taking place. And so that has been around and companies have looked at that but, it, but it's awfully expensive. And, um, and, and the concern was, you know, we've operated with 50% of our workforce. We've managed to do okay. Um, it shows us that we can be more efficient, but we need help. So, you know, we need help in terms of um, the, the equipment um, and automation um, and data that, that can allow us to do our business so that we're less reliant on, on labor. But for the industries that are really reliant on labor, that is that is that is the biggest challenge, and uh, it will have to be addressed. Um, and it, it includes everything from importation of workers to fill those jobs, or um, you know moving to to more automation and self serve, so that we lessen um, the need uh, for for labor in our business model. Right, and on the. Uh, kind of that topic of finding uh, workers and that being kind of a struggle. I mean, the survey, it mentioned that some companies are offering, quote, enhanced incentives. Do you, these incentives include increased pay? And if, if not, uh, why do you think uh, companies aren't pursuing that kind of strategy? Well, most are. Most are. And then they, they do include incentives, everything from, I mean, we, you know, we, I'm in Southern California and we've seen, um, you know, billboards that come in for an interview and we'll pay you $100 whether you take the job or not. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen fast food workers getting $20 an hour. Um, that, that is a, that's not something that is temporary. And, and so um, the cost of, of labor is a very real factor in a business model. And so you can absorb it um, in the short term. But in the long term, you need to make the changes that I was talking about earlier, automation and efficiency that lessen the need for, for, for labor. And I think that there is a big move right now that is taking place. So you asked me earlier, how can banks help? Uh, one is understanding the context of what is taking place right now. So there was a, a fundamental sea change 
um, that the pandemic had, I wouldn't say the pandemic caused it. it, we were moving in that direction, but it certainly hastened it. And, and so from that standpoint, in looking at capital investment, whether it's for automation um, equipment or investment in a digital platform or investment in hard assets like real estate, that's where we, we come in and understand the context and understand how we can help our customers grow and execute on their business plan by financing these assets that they need to purchase. Great, and then you, you mentioned the supply chain disruption and how that's uh, affecting businesses, uh, particularly, uh, particularly right now. Um, and you said that, you know, we're not really gonna get back to a normal, but have to kind of get used to this new normal. Is that the same for the supply chain or do you expect there to be some form of normalization to that um, at some point in the near future? Not in the near future. I think, you know, in the long term, things tend to, you know, even out. Um, but I think in, in the short term and the short term horizon being 36 to 48 months, that there, there are, um, there are um, movement or moves that are taking place right now that companies have to respond. So I was out last week with, with a customer of ours and they manufacture auto care products and they're a pretty uh, well recognized name on a national basis. They, they cannot get the raw materials. Um, and in this case, it was silicone. They, they cannot get silicone that goes into their, into their product. Um, they can get a silicone emulsion um, uh, that's available, but it represents a, um, a new chemistry for the way that they make their product. That falls under uh, substitute products. Um, so we're seeing a lot of that in response uh, to the supply disruptions. We're seeing a bulge in inventories when available because they come available from time to time uh, from known sources of supply. So we're seeing an accumulation of inventory start to take place. Um, and so as it relates to working capital financing and being a bank who um, plays a pretty active role in supporting businesses uh, in that regard, that's where we could help and understand that this is taking place um, as well as a place uh, to, to store that inventory. And I think the, the answer to supply disruption is really more about expanding your reach globally for um, suppliers and looking actively for substitutes those two elements we've seen time and time again uh, within our own customer base and, and what is taking place right now in response to supply chain. It's not, it's not making the, the, the issue go away, um, it, but it is, it is moderating it to some degree. Great, well, Richard, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and go through the findings of the, the study. I think, it was, I think it'll be really useful for our listeners. So thanks so much. Right, I enjoyed it, Phil, thank you very much. Thanks again to Richard for joining the show, and thank you for listening. If you want to read more about the barometer and its findings, I've linked to our coverage in the description for this episode. As a reminder, the Q3 issue of ABF Journal will be launching in the next couple of weeks. This issue will feature our second annual list of the most innovative companies in specialty finance, so make sure to subscribe so you get it as soon as possible. That will do it for this week. Thanks again for listening to the ABF Journal podcast. We'll talk again soon.